Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm your host, Rylan Stiles. With me, my co-host, Grant Tuttle and Grant, this is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast, and what are we going to do on the Arrowhead Addict Podcast? Well, we are, of course, going to discuss the Chiefs, the AFC West, and the rest. That's a great tagline, and also, our podcast is a bit of a mouthful. I didn't realize it until I tried to say it really fast twice. The Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Grant, how are you doing today? I am very well. Um, I, I have seen a lot of people be wrong on Twitter um, so I'm excited to address those things today. Yeah, I'm not doing too well because it's like four degrees here in Oklahoma for some reason. <laughs> I don't get it. You'd think we were living in Minnesota or something, but other than that, I'm ready to get into it. I'm ready to hear your opinion on a few things. I'm sure if anyone follows you on Twitter, they will already know what you're fired up about. So go ahead and give them your Twitter, Twitter handle. I am at Grant TMN Tuttle, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, except Tuttle. Uh, that's a very clever name. I'm just Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S. And so, Grant, we have a lot to get into today. What we're going to do is just preview the off season. The new league year starts this year, and there's a lot of things the Chiefs have up in the air uh, in the secondary, on the defensive line, in the front seven, and then a lot of stuff that the entire AFC West has. Just big names that might be moving into the division or might not. And so, Grant, let's start with Eric Berry. He's oh not going to have surgery this offseason. What was your first impression when you first saw that news on uh, Adam Scheffner's Twitter account? You know, for weeks I've been thinking, like, if, they, if he doesn't get surgery, he's going to be cut. But just by the way that Brett Veach was talking, it seemed as though he might actually be coming back, um, which is a surprise to me as well as a lot of people um, in Chiefs Kingdom. 
Um, a guy that, I mean, is an all pro safety when he's healthy. The problem is, is that nobody really knows when he's healthy. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a surprise this week. Yeah. And I have the same feeling you did, you know, if he didn't get surgery, they're obviously going to not do that and let him pass his physical. That way they can cut him. And if they were to cut him post June 1st, they'd save like $9.5 million. And so I thought that it was a for sure cut once I heard that they weren't going to get surgery. But like you said, the interview, although it was kind of, you know, a non-answer to the question, made it sound like they're preparing to go into this offseason with Eric Berry and keep him around through training camp and through the next season. And that's kind of a scary proposition. Yeah, I think it's an interesting uh, thing where they could they could uh, possibly wait and to wait to see what they have um in the draft and free agency and they could decide you know after june 1st that they could move on from him um i i think that's an interesting way to look at it um if, if for for instance they're able to get landon collins at the contract that they want or they draft somebody that they're they're really confident can play the same role that eric berry does i i think that there's still that shot that he gets moved um it just seems more likely now after hearing those comments that he could be back in a Chiefs uniform, which we were we were already uh, mourning the loss of Eric Berry last episode. Um, but that's how wild and crazy this story has been. Uh, I just I, I don't know what the issue is, and the fact that nobody really has uh, discussed it in depth from the Chiefs PR uh, perspective is uh, a very interesting, uh, I guess, non-storyline. So uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, it's just really interesting. And, and, you know, I don't know what their plan is if they, you know, even if they do keep him, they need to find someone who's comparable to replace him, competent enough to replace him. Because, I mean, you saw last year he didn't play, he came back, and then he could only play a half, and then the defense fell right back apart, and then it wasn't in his heart to go play in Oakland, and then he tried to play again, and, you know, it just never seemed to work for him. And, I mean, how much more rest can he get? If you remember, he practiced like what one one week of training camp and then didn't yeah. participate in practices again until the week thirteen against the Chargers. Yeah, and then he rested again the following week, and it still was not enough rest. So, is two off seasons of rest going to do it? I think that it's clear that it's not going to be something rest can take care of, and I'm not sure what the plan is if not to cut him to not have surgery. Yeah, uh, I I think it's for sure puzzling. Um, I think that maybe what we're looking at is um, that perhaps Eric Berry was calling all the shots uh, last season because nobody but Eric Berry really knew what was going on. Um, I think it's an interesting perspective, as raised by um, Josh Briscoe, um, that that maybe Eric Berry uh, Eric Berry's camp is calling the shots, and when Eric Berry started saying things about his heel hurting, being sore that he equated that with um, tearing his Achilles again. And obviously you don't want to do that again. That would be a nightmare. Um, And so perhaps nobody really knew. And so when he got this, when he visited the specialist in Green Bay, um, they basically told him, hey, you know, you really can play. Maybe that's just, maybe it's eye-opening for Eric Berry because he thought he would, he had a shot of re-injuring it and the doctor was like, hey, no, uh, you're actually good to go. So maybe it's a surprise to everyone. I'm just, I I think that we have to piece things together uh, because it's a, 
it's, it's kind of a thing where we have to use conspiracy theory to try to figure it out because nobody's telling us anything. Yeah, th- that would that's an interesting theory, and I, I love Josh Briscoe's show on uh, you know ESPN Kansas City, almost entirely sports. Used to be at Arrowhead Attic himself. I, I love his show. Uh, that theory is interesting for sure, but it would just seem odd that an NFL player wouldn't trust himself, especially considering how good he was in that first half of the Chargers game, and then to still think, "Oh no, I'm not ready to play yet." It'd be it'd be weird. It's not impossible. It's implausible. But, you know, at this point, like you said, no one knows anything because from the very moment he got hurt, the fans, the media, no one has been told anything about this situation. It's been very fluid and really just, you know, touch and go. And so I think that's a detriment to the Chiefs and Eric Berry in terms of PR. But at the end of the day, I don't think they really care. So we'll see what happens with Eric Berry. It's interesting. You can really take this any way you want to. You can take this as good news. You can take this as bad news. You can take this as indifferent news. It's it's one of the most interesting questions of the offseason, I think. Yeah, I think it's it's not only interesting from a Chiefs perspective, but if, I mean the safety market is already huge, and if another all, former All Pro safety is to hit the market, I think it's a huge thing in in uh, the NFL. Uh, obviously, if if you can <coughs> assure that Eric Berry is going to be healthy, he would be a hot commodity on the market. Yeah, it would be interesting, you know, just to see how that goes, but. The more, or I wouldn't say more, but just as interesting is the Chiefs having to make the decision of Justin Houston or D Ford. And I post it that way for a specific reason. And Grant, why don't you go ahead and tell the fans at home why that is? Okay, everybody. I, I, I've, been very, uh, I've been very loud about this on Twitter, and I'll continue to be until this nonsense of moving on from D Ford and Justin Houston goes away. Because this is just ridiculous, folks. Uh, if we're going to talk about getting rid of Justin Houston or D Ford, it makes sense from a financial standpoint. It makes sense in a lot of ways because then you can use that money for another part of your defense. Now, the Chiefs had the best pass rush in football last season. Given Chris Jones had a lot of sacks, but combined, D Ford and Justin Houston had 22 sacks. That is a lot. Now, if you're going to get rid of one of them, then you'll still have a little bit of production from the other one. If you get rid of both of them, then you are relying on an interior defensive lineman to come up with all of your pass rush. Because we know that as it stands right now, we trade away both D. Ford and Justin Houston. Breland Speaks is on one side, and Tano Passanio is on the other side. I I love Tano Passanio. I would like to see him get more playing time. But a starter? Come on, folks. This is not that hard. Uh, we will trade one or the other. That is why they're trying to gauge interest. If they say that one of them's on the market, then they're like, oh, well, they're going to cut that person. So we don't really need to make a bid. But if the Chiefs are like, look how wild we are. We want to get rid of both of them. Then that frees up the market for the other one. So people are more willing to to give crazy uh, trade proposals. Now, I don't think that they're going to garner a whole bunch of interest. Like, think about... If the Chiefs were to just let D. Ford walk, uh, they would get a compensatory third-round pick. So I don't really see the the sentiment of moving on from both of them, especially if you're getting rid of D. Ford for something that's less than a third-rounder, which is what uh, people are saying right now. Like, a lot of people are saying, oh, but we could get a fourth-rounder for them. Like, that's that's ridiculous. For that kind of production, a fourth-round pick? 
You know what kind of fourth round picks we've gotten? Come on, people. It's not that hard. I think you hit everything on the head. You know, and I would say, like you did, the return on investment wouldn't be good enough to trade these guys because Justin Houston's not going to garner you any sort of amazing trade package. And D four's on a franchise tag, and so you'd be lucky if he signs it and doesn't hold out. He's not going to bring back anything even close to a third round pick, I don't think. And so, like you said, if a third round pick or higher is your goal, you need to let him walk then because I don't think anyone's going to trade you a third round pick because of the factors that go into it. Unless they want to re-sign him, you have to worry about him signing his franchise tag and then not holding out for more money and just things along those lines. So, yeah, I think it's for sure only going to be one of them, if either of them. Uh, But of the two, I'd probably pick Justin Houston to, to ship off. Uh, although that's also a scary proposition because, you know, D Ford, you know, as, as good as he was this year, has really only showed up consistently, you know, in contract years, so to say. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, who would you pick of those two to stay in Kansas City? I would definitely pick D Ford. Uh, he's, a, he's a younger guy. Um, he still seems to be ascending, um, whereas Justin Houston is starting on the back part of his career. Now, you could make an argument that Justin Houston will have good longevity because he's a he's a he's a power rusher. He's not a speed rusher, so he's not going to lose a step, um, which is fine. Um, but I think that I would take the ascending over the descending. And uh, there's a lot of people that want to say like, "Oh, we should we should go ahead and trade both of them because then we could get all these draft picks." Um, but you got to keep in mind that a lot of early pass rushers like these these the Mike Miles Garrett or um, uh, Jadavian Clowney, they take a couple years before they can actually function at a high level in the NFL. And so I think that needs to be um, talked about a little bit because you, uh, veterans are a sure thing because we've seen them before. We've seen what they can do in the NFL. These rookies, no matter how good they look in, in, in the combine and on tape, they are not a sure bet. Um, just, I, I mean, look at Deion Jordan when he came out and he was drafted by the Dolphins. Everybody thought, oh, this guy's going to be the next um, Reggie White and all this kind of stuff. And he's he's never turned out. I, I mean, nobody said literally Reggie White. I was just, that was a, that was a yeah. little bit over the top. But um, still, I, I mean, like you need to, to, to build around your already, you already have this talent. You need to build around it, not ship it off and then hope that you can replace it with a draft pick because you're not gaining any ground if you do that. And I mean, and, and even D Ford, as good as he's become in his rookie year, he played in 16 games, got one and a half sacks, five quarterback hits and seven combined tackles, uh, one tackle for a loss. And then his next year, he got six tackles for a loss and four sacks with 11 quarterback hits. And then he got to that 10 sack mark in 2016 and his 13 sack mark, last year before dipping down in 2017, only playing in six games, though. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's going to take anyone who you draft a long time to develop, more likely than not, especially when D. Ford's not going to get you back a first-round pick. Justin Houston's not going to get you back a first-round pick or even a high second-round pick. Same for Ford, to where you're you're really counting on these guys who are going to be not not so much projects, but going to take a little bit longer to develop. So I think that, you know, really both these guys feasibly under the cap should just 
be in Kansas City for the next year. I mean, your defense gets already worse depending on the other moves you make if even one of these guys are gone because like we said on the last show, Justin Houston in this new system where he's not dropping back into coverage and he's just rushing the passer passer could be a, a rejuvenation to his career and could make this defense uh you know better. It's hard to be worse than they were last year. Yes, absolutely. I but the other the flip side of that is they already had a great pass rush last year i just i don't understand the sentiment that you would blow up the whole thing um and not build around that key point uh they had mm-hmm. they had uh, d ford had more pressures than khalil mack now i went on twitter and said that and somebody blasted me for saying that d ford was better than khalil mack that's not what i'm saying uh khalil mack was obviously double teamed. He played for the Bears, who had a lot of uh, a lot of other pieces around him. But the fact that D. Ford was able to uh, get more pressures uh, than Khalil Mack is a huge is a huge deal, and you need to pay attention to that and not just ship ship away all your uh, pass rush and just hope that you can replace it through free agency slash the draft for cheaper because you're not going to replace that kind of uh, talent. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that. If D Ford continues this trend, and it's not, it wasn't just a one-year, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, outlier to his career. If he continues this and does continue to get more pressures than Khalil Mack and get to the quarterback at the rate that he did, then he'll garner the double team, which is good for the Chiefs because a double team takes away a blocker from one of your other guys on the defensive line, Chris Jones, in order to make them better and have them have a a freer rush to the quarterback. It's yeah. not that hard. You know, that's how the that's how the Bears defense got so good. Sure, they have quality pieces on their defensive line, but they're improved greatly by just having Khalil Mack there that has to have so much attention given to him. Yeah, I I just think that when you have a group, you have a core of pass rushers, uh, you want to have at least two guys. So if it's Justin Houston, fine. If it's D Ford, fine. As long as they keep Chris Jones under contract, fine. Two of those guys will be great. Because the mm-hmm. Chiefs were a defensive backfield and a defensive coordinator away from being a Super Bowl champion team last season. Now they have the defensive coordinator, they have the pass rush. Now they just got to add pieces to the defensive backfield without blowing up the entire defensive front. Now, if the Chiefs went out and they, they drafted a guy to replace D. Ford or uh, Justin Houston on the edge, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't think like that would be a horrible thing because this, this draft class has a lot of um, edge players that are very talented. Now, we'll get into that on, a, on another episode, but I think that you, you can't just blow up the best part of your defense and then hope that you somehow magically get better. Yeah, you know, that's spot on and that's a good tease by you, what we call in the business, uh, you know, a, little, a good little tease there. As later this week, we will have a mock draft special going over the NFL draft uh, around the NFL, not just with the Chiefs, but of course it's going to be heavily focused on the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but for right now, let's shift over to the AFC West portion real quick as the AFC West making a little bit of noise, aren't they, Grant? Yeah, um, our, our good friend over at Fansided, Matt Verderam, uh, has, uh, well, I don't know if I can call him a friend. I, I know of Matt Verderam. <laughs> I've worked for Matt Verderam, uh, but I, 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 would like, I would like it if he was our friend. Uh, but he is reporting that um, the Raiders are in on Le'Veon Bell, and 
the Broncos and Raiders are in on Antonio Brown. That being said, there was a report to dispute that the Broncos are not in on Antonio Brown, but I I think that for the right price, anybody's in on, on Antonio Brown. So I'm not going to go ahead and write off that the Broncos are, are out. Um, so that, there's some big news um, coming out of Oakland and uh, coming out of Denver. Uh, do you think that Le'Veon Bell would uh, somehow make the Oakland offense more magical or at least functional? No. <laughs> I think that really the the Raiders aren't in a position to be a running back away, so to say. They're not you know, even close to that uh, level of you know throwing all this money at Le'Veon Bell and then becoming a quality team. You know, I think that running backs, I don't value it so much. You know, I don't value position. I think that Le'Veon Bell, sure, he's better than, you know, most running backs, but you can find his production in the seams elsewhere uh, for not that much money. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that really his production in Philly, you know, if, if they could finagle the cap the way that they're so good at, you know, that front office is amazing at finding money in the margins and being able to, you know, get people under the cap, get Le'Veon Bell for a team like that, that's close to winning. Sure. That's close to getting back to that mountaintop that they were at just, you know, two years ago now. Uh, sure. But for the Raiders, it doesn't make much sense. It seems like it would be a move to just kind of try to excite fans and not so much try to win football games. What do you think? I I, I think there's a there's a good reason that the the Raiders would have interest in Le'Veon Bell, but the guy has sat out a year. You don't really know what you're getting. I would say he's a good fit for the Raiders. Uh, I, I think that the, the Raiders have had a good offensive line. Uh, Colton Miller was not a great draft pick last year, but for the most part, they've had a very good offensive line, which Le'Veon Bell has thrived behind when he was with Pittsburgh. Um, I think there's reasons to like Le'Veon Bell if you're an Oakland Raiders fan. Uh, but for the price tag, like you alluded to, it's just not worth it. Um, you can get good production out of, as we've learned, third and fourth and fifth undrafted free agents like Philip Lindsay, um, th- these draft picks in the third round like Kareem Hunt, like that's that's where you, you can really get some good value for running backs. Now it's not fair. Yeah, because, even deeper than that. Yeah. If you look at the like the Redskins, like they drafted Alfred Morris in the seventh round. He had an incredible rookie year in 2012 with RG3 and made that offense dynamite. And then he kind of fell off a bit in his third, fourth year. And then they go get Robert Kelly around that mm-hmm. same area in the draft where he might even be an undrafted. And he had a phenomenal first year. And then he fell off and they finally went ahead and drafted Darius Geis. Uh, and supplemented him with Chris Thompson and Adrian Peterson once he tore his ACL last preseason. But, you know, you can always find these running backs who, you know, can provide a spark. I mean, look at yeah. the Chiefs, like you were, I think, about to say with Kareem Hunt. And then once he got suspended and kicked off the team, Dan, uh, Dan Williams. I mean, he was incredible last yeah. year. Uh, I, I think that it's, it's an interesting thing, um, and it's not fair. Running backs take more punishment than anybody else on a, on a football field. Uh, I mean, they're mm-hmm. constantly getting smacked by linebackers. And I mean, how fun is that job? So obviously people should be getting paid at running back, but it's just that so many people can do their job that unfortunately they can't make that kind of money like a quarterback, like a, like a pass rusher, like people that have, have to have great technique, have to have, uh, have great skill sets um, to, uh, to make that money. 
Yeah, and speaking of pass rushers real quick, breaking news live on the podcast, the Dallas Cowboys are franchise-tagging star pass rusher DeMarcus Lawrence for the second time in a row. Wow. He does not expect to report to OTAs or training camp until he gets a longer deal, so we'll see how what comes of that. Good grief. That's a lot of money uh, to, to franchise tag somebody <laughs> twice. Now, uh, earlier yeah. today, J- Jadavian Clowney was uh, tagged as well, so we're starting to see those pass rushers um, come off the market, which might drive up the value for Justin Houston or uh, D Ford. Or D Ford, not and. Mm-hmm. That is key. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is this is going to be interesting. I don't know, you know, I don't know if they're going to try to find a move for him in, in the sense of a trade or if they're just going to try to find out, you know, find a long-term deal. He was incredible the year before and this year. So, it'll be interesting to see. I know that they don't have a lot of cap space once you get down to who all they need to resign and of course now take with this franchise tag out of their 42 million of cap space uh 47 million, excuse me. So, they have a bit of money to to use, but uh, I'm not sure how that's going to work out this off season. Of course, they just brought back Jason Witten. Uh, but yeah. uh, s- sticking with the AFC West real quick, uh, we I think we briefly mentioned it, but the Raiders are in on Kyler Murray, and they have three first rounds to try to move up. It looks like he's going to go with that number one slot, which we just don't know who to yet. Would you be fearful, uh, so to say, of Kyler Murray being in this division? He's in this draft class. Yeah, I mean, like of, of the guys, I would rather see Haskins or Drew Locke or any of those guys come to the AFC West. Kyler Murray has a chance to be explosive, to be an electric quarterback. That being said, I'm not sure that the Raiders are are willing to part with all those draft picks now because because they're on a rebuild. Um, and Derek Carr's already signed a huge contract. He should probably pay, play a couple more years to be a Band-Aid even. I, I mean, you could you could draft somebody next year, um, trade up for next year. I don't, I don't see the rush um, this year because they're gonna, they already have three first-round picks. They could, they could get enormous value in this draft, uh, even if they just trade down uh, a couple picks. I think that they have a real shot to rebuild their roster, and I think it would be a bad decision on their part. Um, to try to rush in a new quarterback and try to ship out Derek Carr. Um, but knowing John Gruden, he doesn't make good choices, so that's obviously possible. Yeah, I think, again, it's possible, but I wouldn't see it actually coming to fruition. Uh, you know, I've I've watched Kyler Murray throughout his Oklahoma career, saw a little bit of him at Texas A&M when he played as a freshman. I just... I don't see it with him in terms of longevity. Obviously, with uh, with Patrick Mahomes, you can't really be fearful of any quarterback. Uh, you know, we kind of got the best one in the NFL outside of maybe Tom Brady. But uh, you know, just I think that he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to have one very, very, very explosive year like RG three did, and then become a solid quarterback, which is more than RG three amounted to due to injury and you know just other factors in Washington, but. I think have his rookie year or his second year, whenever he starts consistently playing, will be extremely explosive. And then from there, he'll turn into a very average, you know, to slightly above average quarterback, which is a good pick. But like you said, the Raiders aren't in position, aren't in a position to win right now. This isn't someone like the Jaguars jumping up to grab him. It's the Raiders who still need a ton of help and already have money, as you said, tied up into a quarterback. Yeah, I, I just think with the Raiders, it's just. It would, for me, it would be smarter to build 
that defense to be a powerhouse. I mean, you you have a you have a chance to to draft two edge rushers, um, so you can get two of the top guys uh, in a class that has a lot of good edge rushers, and they could they could draft two of those guys and then draft another defensive back. And I mean, like that's your core defense for years. Uh, and I think that would be wise in a really good defensive uh, draft uh, draft class. And so I just I, I don't see the reason for it. But that being said, anything can happen. Uh, it depends on what John Gruden likes. John Gruden's obviously running the show. I know that they hired Mike Mayock. He's going to be a guy that's going to draft pretty much whoever <laughs> whoever Mel Kiper has at the top of the board. Um, so. <laughs> I, I I think it's an interesting storyline. Uh, Kyler Murray would be a better fit eventually for a Gruden style offense with his mobility and his his uh, uh, ability to stretch the field. But um, that being said, I think Derek Carr has is still under contract for a lot of cash that I don't think other teams are going to be excited to 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 hold on to. And I, I think that now is a good opportunity to build other parts of your your team. Yeah, and and even even if David Carr, uh, excuse me, Derek Carr's contract wasn't so egregious, I mean it's a weird time in the NFL. Yes, the position is, is extremely valuable, but who all needs quarterbacks right now? It's kind of early in a lot of these guys' process. I mean, the Chiefs obviously just got their guy the chargers need you know a, a new young face but cars not that they need someone to learn under rivers the rams are comfortable i believe with golf the falcon i mean you go down the list there's not very many teams that need a new quarterback the dolphins are of course are one but are they going to be interested in, in Derek carr he kind of seems just like ryan Tannehill 2.0 maybe a little bit better than Tannehill, of course and slightly more durable uh, but I mean, just these teams either have their young guy that they're trying out or, you know, they, you know, or Derek Carr is not a, an upgrade, you know, to Andy Dalton or someone like that. I don't think yeah. or a big enough one to take on that contract. And I, uh, I but I, I would, I would ahead. just go ahead and say that, that, uh, that Josh Rosen on the open market would command more than Derek Carr. People have seen what Derek Carr has and. Uh, I mean, it's fine, but a young guy like Josh Rosen, if the if the Cardinals were to say, "Hey, we're thinking about taking Kyler Murray, what will you give us for Josh Rosen?" I would I would be willing to bet a lot that people would want the cheap, younger quarterback, and so that drives down his market. Uh, like you said, the Dolphins are a team that that might be interested in the. Um, I mean, the Redskins might be interested eventually, depending on how this draft shakes out. So. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and I think even that the Redskins and Dolphins, I think that they'd first try to get Rosen. They'd first try to get Rosen, then you know the Redskins might even try to go get Tannehill. It's rumored, so you know just playing musical chairs there. I just don't think Carr fits in anywhere. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I, I think that maybe he could he could take he could take a Dolphins job or a or a um, Redskins job, but that's about the extent of it. And, and even if you are the Dolphins and Redskins, who we consider, or, or even throwing the, the Bengals too, would you rather have? Would you rather have Tannehill, Carr, or Keenum? Because you know, of course, the Broncos brought in Flacco. Uh, so you have those three guys. Not to mention Rosen. Not to mention the Drew Locke, David Jones. Uh, I mean, excuse me, Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, and, and guys like that in this draft. I just don't see where he can fit on the trade market. 
Yeah, especially when uh, people build their teams around shiny young quarterbacks. He's just not that anymore, and he's got a huge price tag. So, yeah, I think that all yeah, definitely and Rosen out. didn't Rosen didn't look the part last year, but that's easily explained away. It's his rookie year. He had a terrible staff. You know, he just wasn't in a good situation. Uh, so, you know, yeah, the Rosen, like you said in the very beginning, is the unknown, and so that gets a lot of attention from around the NFL. Real quick, tying back into Antonio Brown, what do you think that his market is in terms of what the Steelers can get back? Uh, I, I think that the Steelers are going to have to ask for something higher than uh, what he might be worth. Uh, I think they'll get it. I, I really do. I think that there's a big enough market that Antonio Brown will be traded. Um, but a team like the the Raiders makes a lot of sense because they could trade a first-round pick and get one of the top five receivers in the NFL, one of the top three, in my opinion, uh, in the NFL. So a team like the Raiders make a lot of sense, but the Broncos, I mean, if you want to trade a first-round pick, then you're you're depending on a second to build your – your quarterback build your build up your defense again i just i don't really see it making a whole lot of sense for the broncos but john elway's been a guy that likes to get his veterans in so it makes a little bit of sense in that regard i just i think that somebody will get antonio brown that's not the steelers i just i'm i'm not convinced it's gonna be the broncos yeah i think that the market and demand for him is you know all well and fine i just think that I was talking to my friend earlier about this, that, you know, what they're willing to give up. I think that the only thing, the only two teams I could see giving up a first round pick for Antonio Brown would be the Raiders, who have a ton of first round picks to to give up this year. You know, and of course, they haven't even dipped into their uh, first round future first round picks. I could see them giving up a first round pick for Brown and, you know, packaging that, you know, making a package around that first round pick. And the Redskins, just because the Redskins front office has always made poor decisions and always, you know, gone out on a limb for guys, you know, like Antonio Brown, like an Albert Hainsworth, like, you know, people like that to just throw them contracts, throw them trades, bring them into Washington, have it fail, and then have to restart all over again. So I could see those two teams, you know, having the best packages. But outside of that, I think that the teams want him, sure. But are they willing to part with something huge like a first round pick? I, I just don't think so. I, I know you know it sounds like you think that they can get that for sure. So we'll see where the you know where the chips fall on that. Well, but you also want to talk about you know previewing free agency. Uh, what do you have yeah. on that? All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through this list that I've just kind of whipped up off the top of my head of players that are available or could be available in free agency, and we're going to go through them and say whether we want them or we don't want them. Or we might want them, but we're leaning one way or the other. Does that sound like a good idea? That sounds awesome. And you can also, at home, tweet us in You know what you think. You can tweet at Arrowhead underscore, uh, excuse me, uh, at, what was, what's the podcast? At Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Yeah, at, you can go ahead and get that. You set up the Twitter handle. At Addict underscore podcast. Okay, there it is, at Attic underscore podcast, or more efficiently, you can tweet Grant, at Grant TMN Tuttle, right? Yes, of course. Or myself, at Ryland underscore Stiles, it's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Let's quickly move past the voice crack and get into your free agency predictions. All right, so we're going to start with a name that is very hot 
on, uh, uh, according to reports, according to Chiefs fans. So we're going to start with Landon Collins. What do you think about that one, Rylan? It's hot for sure, and I need it on a day that feels like four degrees in Oklahoma. So I'm going <laughs> to say absolutely. And with you know forty with uh, twenty four million dollars to spend, you know almost twenty five million dollars, and then of course that number can always go up, you know with cuts and trades, etc. I think it's it's feasible that it could happen, and I would absolutely love it. You know, I you, you know I'd have to look into more how him and uh, Spagnolia left their relationship, uh, but it seems like he's done in New York. He cleaned out his locker. I would love to see Landon Collins. Uh, what about you? I like Landon Collins. I I actually love the way he plays the game. But you're going to have to give me some time to figure out what they're going to do with Eric Berry. If they keep Eric Berry, mm-hmm. they both play a similar role. I would much rather have a guy that's rangy if they keep Eric Berry so they can keep Eric Berry in the box. They can keep him uh, on tight ends and such. But, yeah, uh, my initial thought is absolutely in on Landon Collins, just like the majority of Chiefs Kingdom. So, Do you think this could be like, real quick, sorry to cut you off on the next guy, but do you think this could be kind of like, uh, last year with Kendall Fuller, where we got Kendall Fuller, and then they shipped off Marcus Peters, and it kind of seemed premeditated in the sense of, okay, if we can get somebody who we feel can duplicate uh, Marcus Peters, we're going to give away Marcus Peters. Do you think that they're holding on to Eric Berry now to see if they can get a Landon Collins or a safety, I'm sure you're going to mention here in a little bit, uh, and then they'll make their decision on Barry of, of whether to let him go or not. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. It seems like a, it seems like a Brett Veach kind of way to operate. I mean, that's what he did with Alex Smith. That's what he did with, um, like you said, Marcus Peters. So I, th- I think that they like to have that replacement in building before they move on. So I think that makes a lot of sense. So uh, yeah, yeah, I think that that's definitely possible, especially since they can get the most value from cutting Eric Barry post June first. So. Um, moving on, we're going to go to another one that has been hot and were, and, and was reported uh, that, that the Chiefs were interested in signing one Le'Veon Bell. Now, Matt Verderam has said <laughs> since then that that's not happening, and I am hopeful that you are going to say the right thing and I'm not going to get angry with you. Okay, well, just because you said that, I kind of want to make you angry because I'm selfish and I want ratings, and I think that clipping you yelling at me would get <laughs> us a few more clicks, but uh, absolutely not. There's, As I mentioned for the Raiders, there's just no real need, especially in this offense, to pay a running back because Andy Reid can make any offensive player look good. I don't care if you're on the offensive line. I don't care if you're a wide receiver outside of Eric Fisher. I don't care if you're a wide receiver. I don't care if you're a tight end outside of Demetrius Harris. I don't care if you're a running back, quarterback. <laughs> he's going to make you look good in this system. I don't think that you pay Le'Veon Bell at all, unless he's going to give you an extremely team-friendly deal just to try to go win a championship. I think you and I both know that that's not what he's in football for. <laughs> yeah, he's he's trying to get the bag, and I, I can't blame him. Like you mentioned when we first talked about him, it, it's a tough position and a position where you just get beat up all the time, and you know your life, you know your lifeline in football at running back is short, and he needs all the money he can get. Uh, you know, and not not too concerned about championships. Although it would be fun, although I'm sure he would love to win one, it doesn't quite set your family up the way twenty four million dollars could, yeah. uh, or something along those lines. Yeah, definitely, I I would agree with all of that so moving on 
I have a really long list, so we're probably not going to do all of them today. Maybe we'll continue this on another segment. But uh, how about we go to another one that I've heard a lot of people talk about, um, one that one that people want to replace uh, certain players like Reggie Ragland with or D Ford with uh, Anthony Barr from the Minnesota Vikings, who's who's uh, likely going to be uh, a free agent come opening league year. So uh, I'm curious on your thoughts on that one. You know, I think Anthony Barr is kind of, you know, uh, interesting. I would, I would be indifferent on it. And if I had to lean one way or the other, I'd lean yes, because I just think that, you know, his talent is undeniable at times. I, I think it's a little bit inconsistent for my taste, but again, I'm kind of lukewarm on it, but I would lean yes. If, if you told me that the chief signed him on, uh, when is it tomorrow or Wednesday? If you told me they signed him whenever the league year opens, I'd be like, okay, let, let's go, let, let's ride with the with uh, Bar. But right now, I'm kind of just, eh. We'll see. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's a fair reaction to that. Um, I think that Anthony Barr for me is a yes, maybe. Uh, if if the Chiefs mm-hmm. were going to say he's going to be our strong side linebacker, I'd be all for it. Um, but if he's going to be the uh, the weak side the weak side uh, defensive end, not as not as big on it. Uh, he's not as good of a pass rusher. Uh, he he has pretty good cover skills. He's athletic. He makes sense in certain roles for Kansas City, but not all of them. So it would it would come down to where he actually ended up playing. So yeah, that one was pretty Go cut ahead. and dry. Um, uh, so how about we do like two more so okay i really like this one uh if if it was up to me i would move on from eric berry because Mm -hmm. of his price tag because of the uncertainty because of all that now who would i replace him with honey badger let's go (laughs) tyron matthew Math Mathow Matthew Mathow. I don't know how to say his last name. I just know him as Honey Badger. Matthew. He's he's yeah. he's uh he's uh he's quite the player. So I I'm curious on what you think because obviously I've already spilled the beans and said that I love his attitude. I love the way he plays the game. I think he would make a great strong safety, um, especially if you were to to pair him with somebody that was really rangy. Uh, because he can play slot corner, he can play all over the field, he gives versatility. Uh, the Chiefs talked about him last offseason like they might be interested in him for the right price. Uh, the safety market has deflated. I think it's possible. You tell me what you think, Rylan. I would love the move. I would love him as a football player, and I think that you know some fans might look at his off-the-field concerns, and I would say he's kept himself out of trouble for you know quite a long period of time. I, I believe... He hasn't gotten in trouble in the NFL. I think it's all been in college, if I remember right. Uh, but even so, I trust Andy Reid with cases like this to where you know they might have off the field concerns. You know, uh, you know, for his it's all been just marijuana, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But I think that you know he would handle Kansas City very well. Andy Reid would handle him very well, and he would be a lifeblood for the secondary that desperately needs to be revived. You know, he kind of has. That same kind of attitude Eric Berry does in terms of just getting guys to rally around him. Obviously, not the not the veteran presence uh, in the sense of you know uh, 
kind of a, a leader that Eric Berry is in the tra- tra- traditional sense, mentoring guys, etc. But in the sense of getting guys fired up before the game on Sunday, he can do that. And guys love to play for him. Uh, that's a long-winded way to say, yes, I would love Honey Badger. <laughs> In this Kansas City secondary, and I wouldn't have any concerns about him off the field, you know, with with the way that the uh, Chiefs treat their players. But it all comes down to money, and if he's willing to take something that benefits the Chiefs, absolutely. All right, so we've established that we like a couple safeties. Now we're going to finish this episode or this this segment of this episode um, with one more guy. And then we'll probably do some more of this in another episode because this is kind of fun. So uh, I'm going to go with somebody that's that, that there's been reports that he, he wants out. Um, he has some Andy Reid connection. I'm going to talk about Deshaun Jackson. Yes. Yes. So you tell yes. me what you think. Besides yes, give me something yes. else. Okay, I think that... You know, just you. If you watched him last year, even though you know Ryan Fitzpatrick had a you know a magical run there, you know for a few weeks, but he's still not Mahomes, and he's and, and you know Deshaun Jackson hasn't really played with a Mahomes quarterback. You know, Kirk Cousins sure he put up four thousand yards whenever Deshaun Jackson was in Washington, and he had Pierre Garcon next to him. He's not really played with a guy like Mahomes in quite a while, if ever, because I don't think anyone has played with Patrick Mahomes, you know, uh, of that level of arm talent that Mahomes has. I would love to see him paired with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. That would just be a dream come true. And of course, you mentioned Andy Reid. He knows how to keep him composed. He knows how to keep him involved in the offense. He knows what works, what doesn't work. He knows Deshaun Jackson inside and out. And they've they've kept a good relationship. You know, his falling out in Philly happened with Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly is who Deshaun doesn't really get along with uh, in terms of the Eagles, you know, front office and you know coaching staffs. It wasn't Andy Reid. Andy Reid and him, I believe, are still close to this day. I would love this move uh, for Kansas City. Now, this is where we're going to differ a little bit, a little bit, not a whole lot, because I think anybody at the right price is great. Deshaun Jackson at the right price is great. But I will say he's an older guy. He's in his mid-30s or early 30s. I couldn't really tell you for sure. Uh, but I think that what makes him attractive is his speed, um, his ability to run routes, which, let's face it, he's on the back end of his career. Mm-hmm. I think it makes sense if you can get him cheap. If he wants to go win a Super Bowl, that's fine. But yeah, I don't think you should pay him, you know, close to you know a, a top uh, wide receiver market and i could also see the flip side argument of well we have mahomes so he can make any wide receiver look good he can he, you know he can make you know uh demarcus robinson look like a star uh but you know again the money would have to be right yeah but in and just in the normal sense yes i would take deshaun jackson see i i think with with deshaun jackson it's a thing where where he he could benefit this team but what's more beneficial you already have Sammy Watkins. You already have Tyreek Hill. Now, you're probably going to sign Tyreek Hill to an extension, probably going to let Sammy Watkins walk before he completes his contract because it's such a large one. Now, if it was up to me, I would be much I would be much more excited if they were going to draft somebody to replace um, Sammy Watkins eventually, especially if they could get a big-body receiver because this, this draft class is filled with them. 
and the Chiefs don't really have that. They brought in Kelvin Benjamin, who's a guy that can catch some jump balls, but mostly drops them. Uh, so uh, I, I, I think that that maybe going younger, a guy that you you actually um, develop to eventually take over makes a lot of sense at wide receiver, especially when you're considering uh, how long it takes for a wide receiver to learn the playbook. So that's where I'm going to leave off with uh, Deshaun Jackson. But on the surface, I like it a lot because I could I, I love a, a really powerful offense because that's the way this this league is trending. So that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, and, you know, we always want to go deeper than the surface here on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm going to throw you one name out that's unexpected, uh, you know, in terms of just me and you didn't talk about doing this before the show, uh, me throwing you a name. But Jonathan Cyprian was just released by the Titans or is going to be yeah. released this week when the New Year opens. Would you take a chance on him and bring him in or would you just say, eh, I mean, he's not that good? I like him. Uh, I think he's he's uh, really athletic, and I think that he could do a lot of things in the secondary that the Chiefs don't have players to fill right now. That being said, that report also said that the Titans are interested in bringing him back for a lower cost, which is possible. Um, I don't know the likelihood of him moving on. Um, he might feel betrayed that he's not going to be able to make that money with the Titans, um, but at the same time, he might feel a, a sense of comfort playing for the Titans and maybe he lives there. Uh, I'm sure he does, but, uh, for, for re- just his athletic ability alone, I, I definitely think he could add something to the Chiefs' secondary that they don't have. Uh, so yeah, I'd be in on that. Yeah, I, I would be too. I'd, I'd be willing to take a chance on that. And then just real quick, cause we've gone a little bit longer than that 45 uh, sec- uh, minute mark, uh, but you know, the more content, the better. Just this is going to be a really quick topic. So Travis Kelsey had surgery. I don't think it's anything to even be remotely concerned about. What about you? Uh, I would definitely say not to worry about it. Um, I'm not going to say he's day-to-day because that, that makes <laughs> everybody worry. Um, but I feel like it's not going to be a major issue. They they said it was a cleanup. Uh, a lot of players get cleanups during the off season. His was on his ankle, so he was probably playing with a little bit of a, a lingering issue that they're they're just now addressing in the off season. They said that he'll be most likely be ready for training camp. They said that he'll probably miss a lot of the um, off season OTAs and stuff, organized team activities, and uh, and I don't think it's anything to worry about. Now that that brings a lot of people to conspiracy theories that maybe the Chiefs want to draft a tight end to um, to um, to pair with uh, Travis Kelsey and to take over while he's gone. Um, but I don't think he's going to miss any time. So I don't think there's any merit to those, but they are exciting to think about. Although you do have a tight end that you like, which we'll talk about later this week in our mock draft special. Uh, but yeah, you're totally right. There's not really anything to be concerned about here. You know, you could tell watching him that he wasn't quite at that top speed uh, that he normally has last year, you know, towards the end of the year. And I think that this is just going to clean that up and get him to be able to go back to, you know, just how explosive he was for a tight end. So again, missing OTAs is not a big deal, especially for a veteran who already understands the playbook, already has his timing with Mahomes. You know, they'll get it. They have a ton of time between now and the start of football season. And we'll be talking to you all off season long and throughout the entire season. So Grant, do you have any final words uh, for the podcast today? 
Uh, my final word is it is an exciting time. I would say that in the next couple of days, we're going to hear about hopefully Dan Sorensen being cut or something interesting like that. Um, we'll hear some 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 interesting things around the league where people are trying to get rid of players to open up uh, cap space for incoming free agents. So it is an exciting time of year, right about a week out from the start of the um, the new year. So um, you'll hear a lot coming up, and we're excited to keep you covered here. Yeah, it's going to be fun for sure. I thought your last word was going to be just or for D Ford or Justin <laughs> Houston and not Ann. Uh, I think I already butchered but, that one. I think I, I think I beat that one in uh, a little hard. So um, uh, and if I, they go to your Twitter handle, they can find you still hitting that hammer home. Uh, we're at a Grant uh, T M N T Tuttle. I, I'm going to get it right one of these days. Okay, Grant it's only the second podcast. T M uh, well, say it again. Tuttle. Grant T M and pedal at all right oh, yeah <laughs> and then you can find me on twitter at rylan underscore styles that's at r-y-l-a-n underscore s-t-i-l-e-s and grant won't give them the show twitter handle that way they can talk to both of us at the same time you can follow the show at underscore or addict underscore podcast um on twitter so we'll be pumping out content and i'll be posting it to that and uh if you follow it, we might. Uh, you never know. You might get asked to be on the show uh, if you're if you're knowledgeable and cool enough to be on the show. Ha ha. It's a special privilege for sure to come on here and talk some football with us. Uh, you know, we are very important people, by the way. If you didn't yes. know, yes, we only blog important. about the Chiefs. I mean, please. <laughs> we have, <laughs> but. It's been fun. It's been real, and it's been real fun. And later this week, you can come back for another episode in the very same week where we talk about the NFL Draft, the NFL Combine, and give our first of many mock drafts ahead of the April NFL Draft. And so for Grant Tuttle, I'm Ryland Stiles. Be good and be good to one another. This has been the Arrowhead Attic Podcast.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.